your mind, your mind is an excellent servant, but a terrible master. It's an excellent servant. It's a terrible master. And the Bible tells us we need to have a renewed mind. When we have a renewed mind, then our natural mind is, is, is the servant. It's not the master. And really the only bear to see what, you know, to open your eyes and see, the only really better to see is you had to have a renewed mind. You had to see the way the Lord sees. And that's the truth. And this earlier this morning, the Lord was dealing, doing the worship earlier. The Lord was really showing me something about my life. And what He was showing me is, He was showing me a gift that He gave me in my life. And it was the gift of poverty. And when I was a young kid, I didn't think poverty was a gift. I hated it. And, and for years, I looked back on my life growing up as I despised it. And recently, I've asked the Lord to show me things that I'm not saying, to change my mind, really, to re, so I can repent, to repent, change your mind, to see things differently. I've asked Him to show me things I need to look at differently. And this morning, He brought some memories to me during worship of when I was a kid, things that I, up until that moment I had really despised about my life. And the Lord said to me, those things were a gift to you. Growing up were a gift. I was meaning to give you a gift, the gift being blessed or the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. That I was trying to teach you poverty so you could walk in poverty of soul where you could have the riches of Christ in your life. You hear what I'm saying to you? Many of us in this room look at things in our life and we don't see them the way God sees them. We see them, we despise them, we hate them. But the Lord's saying, maybe he's looking at it as he sent you a gift and it was disguised. And he wants you to be able to receive the gift this morning. Whatever it is in your life, however it applies, you know, you may have grown up rich, that may could have been a gift to you, is to grow up rich. I don't know. But whatever the Lord showed you. But you ask the Lord. You start asking him that question. Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Lord, what do I need to change my mind about? And watch him. Just wait on him. And he'll start bringing stuff to you. And if you'll pay attention to the Lord, he'll start showing you, you need to change your mind. Like he said to me, Byron, don't look at your past the way you've looked at. Change your mind about it. See that as a gift. And that's the way you tap into your spiritual inheritance. Because, see, my, for me to really gather, because I have a tremendous spiritual inheritance with my, fa my family, and, but everybody in this room does. In your family, there were godly people somewhere in history that loved God. You would be probably shocked at what's in your family history if you really knew. But the only way you're going to be able to tap into that is to see it the way God sees it. And once you start seeing it that way, you can really reach into your, into your spiritual roots and grab what's in there and bring it into your, into your life today. Do you all understand what I'm saying to you this morning? Good for y'all. Y'all are sort of a bunch of lethargic bunch in this morning. I'm surprised at how more energetic these people who get here earlier are than y'all are. They seem to be more alive and maybe it's because people who get here a little later should sleep like the sleep late. But uh, if you remember, I won't bother you too much with that kind of stuff, but uh, if you remember last year, uh, around the end of the year, we were going through the Gospel of John and teaching on all the different signs. Everybody say signs. And uh, in the Bible, uh, you find different uh, approaches. Matthew uses the, the approach, the kingdom of heaven is like, and then he tells a story. Matthew told us a story last week in his message. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who's throwing a wedding party. 
And that's how Matthew did it. Well, John chose, chose to do the same thing by talking about these miracles, which John called signs, that Jesus did to teach us about the kingdom of heaven, to tell us things that we could under, so we could understand things, things from a spiritual perspective. And so he used the signs of Jesus. He called all the... There were eight miracles in the Gospel of John. If you guys remember correct, I'll review them for you right quick. Number one, there was a turning of water into wine in John 2. Number two, there was a healing of a nobleman's son in John 4. Number three, a healing of a paralytic in John chapter 5. There was a feeding of 5,000 in John 6. That was the last one I preached about. And then we had a halftime break, okay? And really what happened, if you think about all the great messages messages that we preached in this church since I stopped they have been messages about the kingdom of heaven Louise brought a couple messages Matthew's brought a message I brought a couple they were all about things that God was teaching us so what I'm here to declare to you I'm here to declare that if we would begin to understand these signs because signs point us to something they really are revealing things to us and today I'm just here to tell you if you can tap into these things God will begin to reveal the spiritual world the kingdom of heaven to you so I'm here to say what I feel like God gave me it works you hear what I'm saying to you it's working for me it's, it's, it's helping me it's teaching me how to see heaven and it can work for you if you've got a heart for it if you'll give God a chance to show himself to you. If you'll give the Lord a chance, if you'll start believing and you'll stop and get out of your carnal thinking, out of your natural mind, if you'll just give the Lord a chance this morning, the Lord will begin to re- roll back the spiritual realm for you. But you've got to give Him the chance. You've got to give Him the opportunity because He's not going to slam force it on you. But you give Him a chance and God will begin to speak to your heart and God will begin to show you there's something greater than what you know. There's something greater. Are you with me? So John 3, verse 2, Drew. This is, the, this, this is the story of Nicodemus. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher from God, for no one can do these signs. Those are the signs I just read to you. That you do unless God is with him. That's what Nicodemus said. Powerful, powerful statement. John 3, 3 from the message. I like the way the message says this verse. Jesus said, you're absolutely right. Take it from me. Unless a person is born from above, it is not possible to see what I'm pointing to, God's kingdom. All those signs that Jesus did, those eight miracles, those eight signs, were pointing to God's kingdom. And Jesus was saying to Nicodemus, and he's saying it to us this morning, take that word born again out if you're, not, if you're already born again as a Christian. Take it out and put Repent. If you will repent, if you will change your mind, if you will begin to change your mind about the way you see things, you'll see the kingdom of heaven. Because that's what Jesus said, Matthew 4, 17. Repent, change your mind, for the kingdom is right in front of you. There's no argument there. There's absolutely no argument. If you will, and that's really, really what the Lord did in my life. I shared this with you back, back this summer. I felt, Lord... I felt a conviction in my life I've never felt before when I realized I was no different from Nicodemus. I was a man that was stuck in this world and I couldn't see what he was pointing to. What are you pointing to, Lord? And he began to speak to me about, you need to change the way you think, Byron, and I'll I'll show you. I'll teach you. 
And the Lord will do that. He's faithful to do it. Amen? So uh, this morning we're talking about number five miracle, uh, or number five sign, Jesus walking on the water. And then there's the sixth one, that Jesus healed a man born blind. The seventh one, he raised Lazarus from the dead. And the last one in the, in the Gospel of John is the miraculous catch of fish, 153 fish. So they're all meant to point us to one thing, the kingdom of heaven. They're all meant to help us get there, to see that. And that's important. So for simplicity's sake, I'm going to use Matthew's version of this miracle. Matthew 14, verse 22 through 33. Just read it to you. Just get you remembering this. And this is probably one of the most famous of all of Jesus' miracles is walking on water. Everybody knows that. Even lost people know about that. They make cartoons about it. Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now, I want to say to you this morning, this is important, every time in the New Testament when Jesus went up on a mountain, it was a something, there was some revelation that came, there was something important that happened. Pay attention when you're reading the Gospels. Every time he went up on a mountain, it, those mountains represented a spiritual place, a revelatory place. Okay? You can prove that out over and over. So... All right, so he goes up on this mountain, this revelatory place, this spiritual place, by himself to pray. Now, when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, and his disciples were right in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. There was a storm. Okay? Now, in the fourth watch of the night, fourth notch of the night is as dark as it can get. That's the darkest part. All right, that's when the Lord came. Jesus went to them, walking on the sea in the darkness of the night. And that's really a picture... Okay, that's really a picture of how the Lord really wants to come to all of us. He wants to come to us in our darkest moments. He wants to come to us when everything's contrary in our life, when, when we're struggling in our life, and there's difficulties in our life. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. So they thought that Jesus was a ghost. They felt like the Lord himself. And here's these people who intimately knew this person. And they, and they came to him, they didn't recognize him. And that's really one thing we've got to understand today is the Lord will come to you in an unusual moment, a time when you didn't expect him, and he will come in a way you don't expect him. They were not expecting this man to come walking around, and they could have easily missed him, except for he said, It's me. Don't, get, don't be scared. Be happy. Be, be rejoicing. It's me. You know, you're in a mess in your life. The boat's getting ready to take on more water, and I'm coming and be happy. Don't be afraid. And I think that's something the Lord's going to make clear to us all more and more as, you know, we march on into the times that we live in. Because one day it may not be people down on the Gulf Coast 12 hours away. It may be in our own backyard. It really may be in our own backyard. In fact, if you listen to what the prophets and you know you read Revelation, it's going to be in our lap. It's going to be in our lap. Okay, moving on, verse 28. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And so he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. No important thing is, you know, Jesus goes up on the mountain, and we go up on the mountain with him for revelation, but there's always a coming down. And I'm going to tell you, the Lord calls us to come down. The Lord calls us, if you, if you really want to find the Lord, there's a coming down that you've got to do. You've got to come down. You've got to step out of where you're at 
and come down to something. And, and it's not something necessarily fun. Like Matthew said, clothe yourself with humility. That's coming down. Clothe yourself with humility if you really want to be a part of God's kingdom. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink. He cried out saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and called him and said to him, O oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. So I think that's the end of the story. All right, so here's some things the Lord has been sort of showing me is, you know, this is what the, king, the kingdom of heaven is like this, okay? This is the, the Lord's trying to show us something. He's trying to reveal something about his kingdom in this story, okay? There's a pointing to the for us to see this, okay? All right, the first one is, uh, the obvious one is the Lord is calling us to walk in a way we've never walked before. All right, if we're going to enter into the kingdom, if we're going to function in the kingdom, it has to be supernatural, you can't, nobody can walk on water, okay, unless some supernatural act happens. So if we're going to really function and become kingdom of God people, we have to become supernatural people. I, I mean, it's just absolutely the way his kingdom is supernatural. It is not natural. All right. Uh, the next thing is we've got to hear the Lord speak to us to come. You, when you're in the kingdom of heaven, you're under orders. You're under command. You can't just assume things. You can't presume things. You've got to hear the Lord speak to you on a personal level. Okay? Now, here's the thing about the kingdom of heaven. It does zero good to hear what God said to somebody else, really. Now, their testimony encourages you. Their testimony releases faith. But ultimately, if you don't hear God speak to you, you know, you can hear great messages about God doing wonderful things and doing miracles, but somewhere you've got to step out of the boat yourself. Somewhere you've got to go and do the things yourself. You can't, you can't live your life through the Bible and the stories in the Bible. You really can't. It's, the Bible's not meant for that. The Bible's meant to tell us a story and say, this is what they did, this is what I'm expecting you to do. And conversely, you can't live your life through somebody who's figured that out and decided to live their life like that, and then they tell you about it, you get all excited. You can't live your life through that. You have to step out. You have to do it. And that's critical for us right now because there's too many of us who don't do it. Nobody's going to get healed unless you pray for them. That's the only way you're going to get somebody healed. You pray for them yourself, not, oh, let's get so-and-so. they got an anointing to pray. No, get off yourself and do it and pray yourself. Do you hear what I'm saying to you this morning? That's the way the kingdom works. It works because we are personally and actively involved in it. We are personally and actively hearing God for ourselves and not just doing it through other people. Are y'all with me? It's really important. No assumptions, no presumptions. Okay, so in the story, um, fear is an issue, right? Here's some things it said. Actually, there were three statements. Be of good cheer, do not be afraid, it is I. That's what Jesus said. Um, it says Peter was afraid and began to sink. Okay? Jesus said, oh, you a little faith, why? Why did you doubt? So we have this issue of fear that every, per, every one of us in this room, we have to face fear, okay? Anybody in here hasn't ever faced fear, then you're absolutely not alive. You're dead because <laughs> fear is all around us. Fear is trying to approach us. Now, here's something interesting that I found recently. If you study in the book of Acts, 
The fear of God, is, it talks about the fear of God. Now, we're not talking about the fear of God. The fear of God is a, is a righteous fear. It's what we want. But in the book of Acts, the fear of God would come, and then guess what would follow the fear of God? A sign, a wonder, a, some miraculous thing. Something supernatural always happens in the book of Acts when the fear of God came. So here's one thing we can say. What we desperately need is the fear of God, okay, to really release the supernatural to us. So anytime we have the fear of God, there is a, a kingdom of God release in the book of Acts. All right, conversely, there's other fear. There's wrong fear. Okay, it's all the other fear. Anytime you have that fear in your life, whatever that fear is, I don't care what it is. I don't care what kind of fear it is. If it's not a righteous fear of God, then you have demonic activity being released into your life. You got that? Think about it this morning. Think about the fear that you have in your life. That is a door open for Satan to come into your life and do things in your life. Okay? Um, let me read this little uh, piece, things that we've been studying in Christ School of Ministry about, uh, from Bill Johnson about you know, uh, life of miracles. It says, The biblical command repeated most often is do not fear. The biblical command repeated most often. That's pretty pretty significant statement. Do not fear. Why? Fear attacks the foundation of our relationship with God. Fear attacks the foundation of our relationship with God. Our faith. Fear attacks your faith. Okay? Fear is faith in the devil. Fear is faith in the devil. It is also called unbelief. That's why Jesus said, why would you doubt? Why do we have unbelief? Fear and faith cannot coexist. You got that? Fear and faith cannot coexist. It's just like you. It's hard to get water and oil to mix. You know, water just sort of sets up on top of oil. But you actually can get them to mix if you know what you're doing. I know how to do it, but I'm not going to go on that one. Okay? All right, listen to this. Issues such as bitterness, jealousy, and hatred qualify as the decay of the heart that invites the devil to come and give influence. I think we'd all agree with that. Bitterness invites Satan. Bitterness attracts the flies. Hatred attracts the flies. Unforgiveness, all those things do. Okay, fear is also a decay of the heart. Fear is also a decay of the heart. It attracts the demonic in the same way as bitterness and hatred. Now, when we begin to look at fear like that, that it attracts the demonic just like hate attracts the demonic and it attacks your heart, it decays your heart. Ask yourself some questions. Maybe one of the reasons I'm not doing so well is I have too much fear in my life. I have fear in my life. You got that? Are you with me so far? So here's um, three things about fear that I got out of this I want to go through. Number one, fear causes you to shrink back from the Lord, to see the Lord wrongly. That's why Jesus had to say to them, don't be afraid, it's me. Okay? That's why Bill Johnson says it attacks our relationship with God. If you have fear in your life, it is going to cause you to pull back from the Lord himself. That's why you have lots of people in the church that have a fear of the supernatural. They absolutely have a fear of the supernatural. They see the supernatural wrong. There's a fear in them. There's an unrighteous fear in them. Okay? And there's another thing is the Lord does come to us in unusual ways. We had to settle that. That was not typical Jesus approaching his disciples in the middle of a storm walking on the water. 
They've never seen it before. They've never heard of it before. And here he comes. It was not in the Old Testament anywhere that anybody had walked on the water. So you would think in the natural, of course, he's coming in an unusual way. But what we need to set on our hearts today is the Lord wants to come to you in, in an unusual way. And your first response may be to fear and reject how he comes to you. But we can't do that. We can't give in to that fear because you'll miss the Lord. And I, another thing is the Lord comes to you inconsistently. In other words, he doesn't come when everything's nice. He came to them right in the middle of a, of a big mess. He came to them walking on the water and wanting them to actually get out of the boat and do something at the worst time possible. You would have thought if the Lord wanted to teach His disciples how to walk on the water, He would have done it in the middle of the day on a crystal clear, nice, smooth lake, right? Wouldn't that how you've done it? But no, the Lord said, no, here, this is the best time to teach you on walking on the water. In the middle of the night when it's dark and when the waters are raging around you, the wind is contrary, everything is bad, this is when I want to teach you how to walk on the water. Some of you are going through stuff in your life right now this morning. You're going through some very difficult times, and you are flat messing up because the Lord's saying, Look, get out of that boat. I'm trying to teach you something. This storm's a gift. It's a gift to you. I've given you something. See it that way. Don't see it the way you see it. Because as long as you see it the way you see it, it's going to beat you to death. He's saying, If you can see it the way I see it, you'll say, Oh my gosh, I'm going to walk on the water now. And you need to hear the Lord this morning. The situation, the trial, the difficulty in your life is a gift from God right now. You need to hear the Lord and see it the way He sees it. And you can walk on the Word. You can walk right across the top of the difficulty. But as long as you see it just from a natural perspective, you will be storm-tossed and beat down. You will sink. Because what did Peter do? He said, oh, you know, he was doing it. And then all of a sudden he looked around and like, oh, no, I can't do this. And he started sinking. He took his eyes off the Lord. Which brings up the second point. Uh, fear causes you to turn back from following the Lord. That's what Peter did. In the middle of the storm, he turned back. See, that's what's wrong with some of you guys. You're turning back in your heart. You may not be rejecting your salvation, but you've gotten really lukewarm, you've gotten cold, and you're miserable in your life. You're not seeing it the way the Lord sees it. In fact, you will stay that way because you only see it naturally, and if you don't see it supernaturally, it's just going to be messed up. You hear what I'm saying to you? All right. Um, that's why, you know, fear and faith do not coexist. When you get in fear, your faith just sort of leaks out of you. It sort of just pours out on the ground, and the fear just fills you up. All right. That's why the Lord had to say, Peter, you've got to come to me, okay? Now listen. He said, look, come to me, Peter. Now I'm going to tell you this. Jesus said, don't be afraid of me. But he didn't say there's nothing to be afraid of. Okay, there is something to be afraid of. Now, I think that's, that's the reality of what I'm trying to tell you. Your storm and the storms that are coming to us, those are things that are very much frightful things. Okay? Jesus was not denying those things. He was saying, look, I'm the one not to be afraid of. And I'm not telling you this is not a bad situation. It is a very bad situation. Here you are, fishermen. Y'all know how bad it is. Y'all are used to the water. Y'all been out there fishing. But I'm telling you this, I'm telling you this, those things are there, those things will continue to be there. It will not, 
ever get to a point where there's nothing to be afraid of. You're going to have to learn how to face that fear and keep walking. Now, that's really the calling of God. That, if you want to walk in God's kingdom, you're, He is going to take you and put you in situations that are frightful at best. Okay? From a natural perspective. He's not going to take away and make it all perfect for you and make it all easy for you. That's not the way it works. Because, you see, the very nature of the kingdom of God, it, it, is, it really is like this big invasion that it's doing. It's invading another kingdom. The kingdom of the darkness of this world. So there's going to be a natural conflict. There's going to be a natural, you know, difficulties. You know, the darkness is fleeing. The light's coming in. So there, but there's going to be this clash. And what we have to see is there's things to fear. There will be, a, you know, if a storm like that came down on the Gulf Coast came here, that would be something to fear. But what the Lord's saying is don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And we have to learn today in our nice, safe environment that we have in here to learn those things. Are y'all with me on that? It's really important. All right. Uh, give me Psalm 78, verse 9. I wanted to throw that up to you. It's one of my favorites. It says, The children of Ephraim, being armed and carrying bows, turned back in the day of battle. Okay, so here's men and women that were men that were trained for warfare, trained, ready to fight, battle, you know, trained men, got, had the weapons, had everything they needed to do battle, and get out there when the battle's ready, ready to start and they get scared and run. Well, that's part of the problem with most Christians. Is, you know, they've been preached at, they've been gone to classes, they've done all this stuff to learn, but when it comes time to go out there and get a simple thing about, well, I'm scared to, you know, ch share the gospel with this guy. I mean, you're thinking that's a practical example. You know, just a simple thing about sharing the gospel with somebody, being embarrassed to, is you're turning back in the day of battle. And really the Lord's saying to us, you can't, we, didn't, we don't want us to do that. You know? I mean, that's just the truth. So, you know, I think a lot of you guys have been Christians a pretty good while. And if you hadn't been, you've got enough right now to, to do what you need to do. You're armed, you're carrying, you're carrying your armor. You know, you don't have to turn back. Number three, last point. Fear is the enemy of God's power. God's love and soundness of mind. And that's when Bill Johnson was talking about the decay, the, the decaying of the heart. It causes your heart to decay. You've heard the word, don't lose heart. Okay? Well, fear causes your to lose heart. It causes your courage to go away. Your life begins to decay. Second uh, Timothy one seven. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. That's why we have in the church a form of godliness but no power. That's why you have lukewarm Christians. That's why you have Christians that are so consumed by the cares of this life. It's because you know, they've given away to this spirit of fear that God didn't really, really release. Um, I was, you know, my brother-in-law, who's gone on to be with the Lord, thank God, now, was, was insane. He was crazy. Okay? And he was crazy because of fear. That's what drove him to insanity. He lost his... He was a normal person. He was as normal as any of us. He went to the beach. He had a house. He had a job. He did normal stuff. But he lost his mind over fear. Fear sort of consuming him. Becky knows a lady that said, you know, you know, that's, that's been in and out of, out of uh, mental institutions, said everybody in there is in there because of a broken heart. Their heart's been broken. They lost heart. Fear got in their life. 
fear, you know, their spouses. That's what happened to my brother. He thought his spouse was running around on him. It drove him crazy. He was so afraid he was going to lose her. And he literally lost his mind. Literally. That's what fear can do to you. It is a consuming thing. But God hasn't given us that. He's given us power and love and a sound mind. Faith works through love. There's no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear. Fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. God doesn't teach fear. If you got fear in your life today, you didn't learn that from the Lord. You learned it from Satan. He didn't, the Lord doesn't teach it. The last verse I wanted to give you this morning. Are y'all with me? I got sort of silent on me here. <laughs> That's a good silence, though. This is what the Lord came for. This is one of the reasons Jesus Christ died for us. Okay? To grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve Him without fear. Might serve Him without fear. Didn't say there weren't going to be things there to fear. We've got to face the fear. But the Lord's called us to serve Him without fear. And that's why He died for you and I. That's one of the reasons. That's one of the purposes. That while we're on this earth, we can serve Him and not fear things. There's only one fear that's totally acceptable, and that is the fear of the Lord Himself. The rest of it is unacceptable. I wanted to share this last scripture. And after these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, for I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. So when the Lord calls you into this thing, even Abram had sudden attacks of fear when the Lord wouldn't have said that to Abram if he was there wouldn't have been any reason to say it to him to fear not if he wasn't afraid but he had left his safety of his father's house and was trying to possess the land that the Lord told him to go possess and he would have sudden surges of fear in the middle of the night and uh, the Lord said fear not Abram for I shall be your shield, and I shall be your exceedingly great reward. So this morning, to end, what we wanted to do is, if you feel like the Lord really is speaking to your heart about fear specifically, not, not a general spirit, but if you feel like the Holy Spirit is speaking to you this morning, then I want you to come up here, and we want to pray with you and pray for you. I, we, I, I'm not, all of us face fear. This is something we're all dealing with. But I believe God wants to break the yoke of fear over people today. I believe God really wants us to see things the way He wants us to see them and release you from some of this fear that you're, you're being attacked with this morning, some of this fear that's holding you down and keeping you back from walking fully in God's kingdom in a greater measure. So we want to ask you to come up now and ministry team, if we could come up. and Some of these guys... Get up here. We'll lay hands on you, and we will bless you, and we will condemn that fear in your life because it's be, it is to be condemned. And the Lord will begin to set you free 
see. So come on up right now. If you've got fear in your life and you feel like the Lord's speaking to you this morning, I'd like to ask you to come and receive uh, some deliverance.